Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. My name is Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. Bobby, Alex. how are Hi. you? <laughs> I haven't done that a You've single never time. done that before? And how much do you hate me for doing it like just now? Well, now I'm okay with it because I'm used to it actually. I get it a lot. So, it's okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is awful. It's not my, it, hey, look, I married into the name. It was not the name I was given at birth. So I guess I chose to have the how are you doing? Oh, I, I'll never do it to you again then. I, I, I figured it, it was very original and that nobody had ever done it before. And uh, no. now I feel a little deflated knowing that I, I'm just a bandwagon. Well, how are, how are you doing, really? I'm good. We're, we're done with lettuce poisoning. We've moved on with our lives. It's mid-July. We don't know how our children are going back to school yet. Waiting anxiously on that. That's my, that's, that's the only thing that's weird in my world right now is just not knowing how to prepare for a month from now. Still a so, question mark. We've got, we've got buyers and sellers that are starting to test positive yep. uh, and uh, kind of seeing how that's impacting uh, transactions. Um, and uh, so far, everything's been able to be worked out, but starting yeah. to hit uh, closer and closer to home. So yeah. um, kind of well, interesting times out there. The Miami Herald, the headlines in the Miami Herald today, I found very, very interesting. Um, the, the above the fold headline was Miami-Dade restaurants, gyms closing to fight COVID search. And the sidebar article headline, Florida schools ordered to reopen in August. So just the juxtaposition of we're closing because of a surge, the gyms right. and restaurants, but kids and their teachers. They're all, all in a room. Yeah. Put them all in a room. It's fine. <laughs> it's Florida. So that explains 99% of it. So it's fine. True. Oh, well. about Florida. It's fine. Um, so I, I already mentioned this to you, but I, I'm doing something that I've done, you know, multiple times in the past and I'm doing yeah. a whole 30 right now. I'm trying to trying to shed my you know Corona 15 um, or 25 or whatever it was. So I'm kind of working working on that. Um, and you were cranky last week. How are you doing this week? I, I'm I'm okay this week. I'm okay. okay this week. I've kind of kind of gotten all the uh, I don't know. I'm I feel better. I'm still not sleeping well. There's something about this thing where I don't sleep very well. Like I only catch about six six and a half hours of sleep. And I, my brain goes on like hyperdrive until about one o'clock in the morning. It's just super, super inconvenient. Uh, but in addition to doing the whole 30, so for those of you that don't know, that's no grains, no dairy, no alcohol. God, I don't know how I'm doing that. Uh, no legumes. Is that how you say that? I'm not sure. Legumes. Um, legumes. And, uh, and a variety of, of other things that you have to omit from your diet. Sugar. And, and sugar is the biggest one. Yeah. So on top of doing that, we're also in the process of finishing our basement. So we've got, <laughs> we've got, I, I'm, I'm trying to do something that makes you uh, a little bit, you know, angry and, you know, naturally. Uh, and then also uh, finishing a basement, which, uh, so, so my anger is kind of compounded. So it's, it's all just kind of boiling up, you know. Get it out though. It's good. Get it out. Yeah, right out of my ears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's good. <laughs> All right. So what's going on in my life? Let's let's uh let's get into what's going on today. Well, we got an amazing good. episode today. We do have and a really incredible episode today. We have an applicable book bit. 
We do. It's all tied. It's like this is a beautiful little package that all just worked out just right. It's amazing how it worked out. Um, so today our guests are Tanisha Looney and Ernest Hawkins, the chair and vice chair of the diversity committee. You may recognize Tanisha's name because she was a guest last year because she was diversity committee's chair last year. So we love Tanisha. She's amazing. Um, yeah. So they're going to talk about that. The diversity committee has been doing a lot of stuff this year. They've already been really active. They've got a lot more stuff coming and we're only halfway through the year. So um, we're going to talk to them about some of the stuff that they've been doing. I'm excited. I think it's a really timely episode and I think that, that you'll all get a lot out of it. Um, and Bobby, so you, uh, we, we talked a little bit about voice map and mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, the tour, the driving tour of, of Kansas city, uh, yep. called dividing line. So I still, still encourage anybody that hasn't done it yet to check that out. You can download the app on any app store. Um, but, uh, in that, uh, tour, they reference a book called some of my best friends are black mm -hmm. and Bobby, you read most of that book. I, so, yeah, most. So, <laughs> what, what's going on? How, so, how did that go? This is the first time I've ever given you guys a book bit where I didn't read all the pages. However, you can always, always say there's reasons or results. This time I actually have a reason for no results. And that's the, of the last 50 pages of the book, 30 of them are missing. Just legit missing. It goes from page 236 to page 268, just <laughs> abruptly. And there's only 280 pages in the book. So it's just all like, I, and what's funny is I was coming up towards the end and it just didn't feel like the book was thick enough towards the end, but I was just kept reading until all of a sudden I'm reading in the middle of one chapter. I go to the top of the next page and I'm like, but that, that sentence didn't follow into that. What's going on here? And then eventually I looked up and saw I'm missing pages. So <laughs> I still feel I have a good enough gist of what happened in order to give, you know, my book bit. However, um, the next copy of the book will show up, I believe today or tomorrow. So I discovered this on Sunday. So out of curiosity, who did you buy the book from? Amazon. 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 I, I, did any, were there any other reviews of the book? Was this just like a nope. one-off? So oh. several of my friends have purchased the book since I started reading it and they all went and checked their copies. They all have all the pages. So I think it was just a one-off with printing. But like I said, there was a crease on the cover and a crease on the back, which I'm normally really big on my books not having creases. So I think there was just a problem in production with this entire book. Why? Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent, but what, why, what's up with the creases? And the, like, is that a... I don't, I, I keep my book, like I don't uh, dog ear my books. I don't, like I'll take notes in a separate okay. notebook. I don't want to highlight and write in my book. I like keeping them pristine because if I want to let someone else borrow it, I don't want them to be distracted by the things that I thought were important. I want them to have their own things that were important. So I'm weird. I'm, I'm no, aware you're, of it. You're wonderful. Aw. Right. Where are you sucking up? What do you want? I want to hear your book bit. Okay. So the jingle. Do, 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 do. Bobby's book bit. Casey. Beautiful. Also, my rare is official because you guys can't see this on the podcast, but Alex and Amber can see it. My cat bit me right before we got on here. <laughs> it started bleeding while Alex was talking, and I'm like, oh, stop. My, my cat thinks I'm a chew toy. It's fine. It's all good. All right. So the book, Some of My Best Friends Are Black, uh, is by Tanner Colby, and it explores why the civil rights movement ultimately produced such little true integration 
um, in the areas of schools, neighborhoods, workplaces, and churches, the very places where social change was desperately needed the most. Um, he actually was inspired to write the book after the 2008 election when he realized after vo voting for President uh, Barack Obama, he actually had no black people in his social circle, and he wondered why America was still so racially segregated. So he wrote the book solely because of his ignorance and wanting to learn more about integration in America. So in the book, he explores the communities that were some of the worst offenders in those above areas. Uh, he looked at schools in Birmingham, Alabama, which is actually where he's from. He went back to his old school that he went to. And then he looked at legal segregation in neighborhoods in Kansas City, specifically through blockbusting, uh, redlining, deed restrictions, and all of that. And some of those deed restrictions still exist in Kansas City subdivisions to this day. They're not enforceable, but they are still there in existence. Then he looked at the workplace in New York City, specifically through advertising and um, Madison Avenue being one of the most resistant uh, industries to integration. That actually was really eye-opening, that whole advertising section that he talks about in New York City. And then finally, he talked about churches in um, Southern Louisiana and the lack of integration amongst them. In the end, he comes to the conclusion that we are no longer legally and that though we no longer legally enforce segregation, we do it voluntarily through a mixture of tradition, fear, and xenophobia, and a long-standing but largely invisible economic practices that prevent minorities from truly advancing in society. You know, we talked about that through, we talked about the color of law. There is still a lot of income and wealth inequalities in our society that stem back to practices we had in the 1920s through the 1970s. Um, you know, in the, in the book, Some of My Best Friends Are Black, it talks about the dividing line. The dividing line, if you don't know, in Kansas City is Troost Avenue. And to this day, you can go three to four blocks east of Troost and find three-bedroom, two-bath homes that are about 40,000. And you can go three to four blocks west, and all of a sudden, those three-bedroom, two-bath homes, exact same floor plan, is all of a sudden 150000 mm -hmm. That still exists to this day. And um, it's just, especially the section on Kansas City, just because it's so true to us, um, is especially eye-opening. But looking at the schools and looking at the, the busing, because the, the section on schools talks about busing, but then that ties back to even the Kansas City section on housing. Um, and all of these categories do tie back together. So it was a very, very well-wrote book. You know, I've said that Color of Law, um, I'm also working on A People's History of the United States. They're very thick, dense books. Um, it's great content, but you have to just read a little bit at a time to absorb it. This is more told just with stories of everyday people today. They're reflecting back and stories back then. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to digest the information, I think. So I think this is actually a great starting point and then follow it up with the other. But I think every realtor should read Color of Law. And I think every person in the Kansas City community should read Some of My Best Friends Are Black. Awesome. So that's my book bit. I think, I think it's so, when people talk about systemic racism, um, I think it's interesting how, I don't know that people really consider the fact that our industry, real estate, is a large part of yes. that systemic racism that they talk about. Our, our industry 
is part of that system, a large part of that system. It's part of that wealth gap. It, it's part of all of that. And, um, you know, I think that uh, we're about ready to hear from Ernest and Tanisha about uh, actions that we need to take in order to really work on addressing that in the Kansas City area. So well, we... The, the Realtor Association as a whole has to take action. We specifically in Kansas City, because that's something we can touch. Yep. But up until the Fair Housing Act, our code of ethics forbid mm -hmm. realtors from helping people of color. And I, I keep saying it, but I don't think we keep hearing it quite yet, is that we were one of the worst offenders and we all see a duty and obligation. We can't make up for what we did in the past, but we can make changes going forward. And they're not just word changes. They're actual actions we can take that affect not only our members, but the community at large. Just wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. No. No. Well, right. why, don't we, why don't we bring in Ernest and Tanisha? Let's do it. MLS Touch is a brand new app coming to Heartland MLS on July 13th. It's free to all HMLS subscribers with absolutely no upselling or all the spammy emails that we like to get. It's deeply integrated within Matrix and there's a whole lot of features. Alex, tell us about the features. The new features include search tools, you've got listing and showing details, property history right at your fingertips, fingertips, fingertips. Oh my gosh, I love it. Also, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep that in there. Uh, instant comparables available as soon as you click on a listing. One of my favorite things uh, is that we are going to be able to do at edit on this app. So you're actually going to be able to change uh, statuses on your listings within the app. So that's going to be great. Your supplements are going to be there. It's still going to have the same showing time integration that we already enjoy. There's a client collaboration piece of it. You can brand your own app. There are hot sheets that you can build into it, market stats, and your realist tax data all in one app. Can you believe it? It's all there. It's all there. This is what we've always wanted, Bobby. And MLS always. is providing it to us. Heartland MLS is providing it to us. That's right, they are. And that's MLS Touch coming out July 13th. And we're back with Tanisha and Ernest. They are our chair and vice chair of KCRER's diversity committee. Um, first question for you guys, answer it whatever order you want to. Um, why did you decide to become involved in KCRER's diversity committee? So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first, Ernest. So this is Tanisha. I'm the chair of diversity. And I think this is, I think I was co-chair last year and chair this year. I don't know how it went. What is that how it went? I don't know. Well, I think you've actually been chair for two I think you've actually been chair two years in a row. Oh okay. So I've been chair two years. Because so, we liked you so much we said come on back. That's not why nobody else wanted to be the chair. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that it's important for for me to have found a a, a way to get involved to to do something for everybody to be included in in this in our in our organization, I felt like we didn't have enough diversity. There was a lot of people who were being excluded or not involved. So I felt like being a part of diversity was the way that I could bring some awareness and get KCRER more involved in the community or in different communities. Mm -hmm. So that's why I joined. You know, me, I just you, 
I heard you guys had great snacks. That's why I came. <laughs> so, no, the lies. No. So, so for, for me, for me, you know, like um, I've like I've I've always lived a diverse life in my in my world. Uh, I'm truly one of those people. If I tell you I'm a child of the world, you can believe it. Um, and I just felt like um, I wasn't seeing that within the real estate industry, um, the total diversity that that's out there. Um, and there's, and I, I run to some younger agents that felt excluded and so forth because, you know, it's just, they didn't feel a part of the, what, the, what, what was going on and they don't last. So I felt like, you know, this was a chance for me to kind of, um, get out there and have, and kind of be a voice for people and kind of, you know, teach, teach some people what, what diversity really is and so forth. I mean, it's just, it's just, you can't make change from the outside. No. And that's why I, that's why I decided to make, make, make made, made a choice to be a come apart. So. Well said. I think that I mean, obviously the diversity committee fills fills a serious need for all of the reasons that you guys outlined. But with everything that's going on in the world today, this year, uh, it it took a, a it, it was particularly important, um, and your work has been particularly important. You guys have accomplished a ton this year. Do you want to talk just a little bit about? Um, all of your initiatives uh, so far, and, and maybe a little bit about what might be to come. So, like you said, there's been a lot of a lot of ingest and, and racial um, racial occurrences this year, and of course, us being part of diversity, we were thinking, how do we do something mm -hmm. to let the world know or let our community know? and let other realtors know that we don't approve of it. This is not who we are. This is not what we want to occur. So we were trying to think of things universal. So we came up with a, a cleanup because in the areas, which was mostly the urban core and in, in, in the plaza area of Kansas City is where the protests were happening. And a lot of uh, minorities live in the urban core and driving through the urban core it was like hey you know we just need to pick that bottle up you know let's pick up that bag let's do you know it just makes it looks more inviting and 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 pretty so we were like you know that's something that we can do as a diversity it's really short really quick you know um we didn't have a lot of time, but that's something that we wanted to do is a cleanup. And from there, it was like, we have to do something more than that. Because yes, this is, we're cleaning up one neighborhood, but we have issues within our organization. And we want to bring everybody together. And what is something that has no color? And I'll say it all the time. And that's music. Music, music is universal. So we were like, let's do a unity concert that's what we're going to do but with social distancing we had to get creative on how to pull it off and lucky enough there was a whole team of people who came together and and, and we're like we can do this we're going to do a virtual and we're going to do watch parties and we're going to bring awareness to what is occurring and also you know let let our industry know that we know that we're falling short but since we know that now was our chance to start doing something and we didn't want to. And so that's what we did. The unity concert, the virtual unity concert. And we don't want to stop there. We yeah. did the, we did the cleanup in the urban core of Kansas city. We want to do, we want brokerages and agents to get more involved in their communities. And if we have to go around, you know, periodically and do that to help just bring unity and diversity to all these different, communities rural or or urban 
we want to do that because we want everybody to get along. We need communication across the board to be universal. We need inclusiveness across the board. So there's a lot of different things that Ernest and I actually had lunch the other day and talked about doing, um, talked about doing it and getting more involved in all different kind of communities with different, not just black folk, um, Latinos, you know, uh, Africans, there's, there's so many different uh, cultures out there that we want to also make them feel included. So we haven't presented it uh, to diversity or KCRU or anybody yet, because we're still just kind of mulling it all over. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things. I mean, two, I think we came up with like six or seven. Uh, I, th oh, I think we just narrowed it down. Yeah, I'm going to say probably more than that, but we just kind of narrowed them down some. Uh, but I, I think it's time. I, I think this was our wake up call to be like, you know, it's, it, it's time for us to make a change. And yep. if, if we have to do it through the diversity committee in collaboration with some other committees uh, and the higher up uh, directors and boards, then that's what, we, that's what we're here to do. Whether we're the chair, co-chair, we don't want to stop. We don't want it to stop. So also, also Tanisha, um, one of the things you brought up is like some of the rural communities. See, people don't understand that they are, you know, that's where that's a piece that's missing within diversity as well, and understanding that you know there's there's different people with, throughout the whole metro that are kind of um, feeling disconnected, and not just not by color but by socioeconomic as well. Yes, I agree. So. I, I believe I told you guys the story. I sat in on a couple of your diversity committee meetings um, and Zooms this year, and I told you guys a story, and then some other stories were told, and I want to have an open discussion about what we can do to be better as an organization and brokerages. So uh, my president's letter went out talking about, you know, some of the systemic racism, some of the history of it from the book Color of Law, and, you know, for Alex, I just... Uh, turn me on to the book from your voice map that you did. Um, the book, Some of My Best Friends Are Black. And it features on four communities, but it specifically features on housing in Kansas City. And mm -hmm. I was not aware of how much of an offender Kansas City was in creating the racial <laughs> segregation that we still have today, which has created the economic inequalities. But I, I, I had that president's message and I had someone send me a private email and she was telling me that she was licensed in 1997 and she joined a big box brokerage. And when she joined that brokerage, late 90s, not that long ago, she was told specific areas of town she was allowed to sell in and certain price points she was allowed to sell in. And she eventually went and started her own brokerage so she could serve the community she wanted to serve. So she could serve all clients. What a crazy concept. And several other people on that uh, diversity committee spoke up and said they know a lot of people who've had that experience at a big box brokerage, unfortunately, and have gone off to form their own brokerages, but they still don't feel welcomed by KCRER. They feel like they're out there on their own. What can we do as brokerages, A, to, for, I, I, I just can't imagine not welcoming all of our people in because that's just whatever. Um, but even as an association, so we can get more people involved, so everyone feels they're represented by us, what can we do? Direct so, outreach. Direct outreach. Go out to those people. You know, if you got to hold their hand and bring them in, direct outreach is it. I mean, anything we do has to be, like, Tanisha and I, we've been doing a lot of uh, boots on the ground, just grassroots things, to try to make things happen. And if you're not, if you do that, 
bring these people in, show that trust, build that trust, because mm -hmm. there's a trust issue there, because yeah. it's like the status quo of, of, of what's been going on. Now, you know, I've been re I've been checking out some stuff lately as well, and um, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm an agent with Reese Nichols, and understanding where, how J.C. Nichols had a big part in a lot of this redlining and things like that, is kind of a conflict for me. Right. You know, and not that it, not that the company's the same at this point in history is totally different. But see, the, the community still sees the company as that. And um, it's kind of, so, you know, I get I get it. And um, but with these companies that you're talking about, yes, um, direct outreach to these people. Tanisha, what do you think? I'm going to repeat the same thing. I, I agree. Direct outreach. But. Um, I said it in one of our previous meetings, and that's having a more universally uh, located uh, facility or, yes, you know, a, a, a satellite office where, where people feel comfortable coming to in their neighborhood so that they can know what, what the organization offers um, yeah. is what I'm probably still going to stick to because it's just uncomfortable for some people to come. And, and I know Kansas City is very small. Overland Park is 15, 20 minutes from every, you know, from the city. And, and any place you can get to in Kansas City is 20 minutes away. But I think just the environment and just being different um, and it's not their their uh, their neighborhoods or their community that they just feel uncomfortable coming to, uh, coming to Overbrook and asking for help. Um, there's not, there's, well, there's one person in the office that looks like us, yeah. you know, yeah. but I just don't think they feel comfortable. I think that we need to have a satellite office and that is something that I'm proposing to come up with uh, a solution for us to have a satellite office. Uh, I'll present it to you guys soon, but I think having a satellite office you know, that actually be super helpful. Yeah. Well, when you look at how and why Johnson County was founded, what you're saying makes mm -hmm. absolutely all of the sense in the world. Um, and so they, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I want to move beyond just having words. I want actions. I want us actually to make a change in our community. I want us to actually make a change in our members' lives, in the people who live in our community lives you know when we have the houston association just having all this conversation over the term master bedroom which is great we're having that conversation but at the end of the day what does making that change do does it get more people in homes does it help our members sell more homes no it's just a word no. so some of us can pat ourselves on the back and go oh look at us we're not racist because right. we changed the word master bedroom when that's not the actual that's action and where our attention needs to be go ahead right. i'm that's just completely stupid. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't get. I don't get the whole idea behind that. That means absolutely nothing at all. I mean, you know, because, I mean, think about just, it. None of us ever thought about. Oh, the master bedroom is the the slave master's room. Yeah. Never thought about that. How many of us actually realize that's where that name came from? No, I, I kind of get that. I, I kind of I mean, I I, get that. But the, at the same time, you know, I'm like, this is my house. I'm the master of my house. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and I get, I get that. I get that. I get where it comes from, but it's just, it's just, I think that the term has made a change in some senses. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. I, you, you guys just hit on something that I hadn't really thought too, too terribly much about, and that's brick and mortar. 
um, in, in our industry and where it's located. And okay. I mean, gosh, that, that, tells a, that tells a story right there. Um, I, I, I hadn't ever really considered that before. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that, 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 that makes a lot of sense. Brick and mortar from the Real Estate Association, but probably also from uh, real estate companies in general. Am I, am I wrong? No, you're not, you're not wrong at all. Uh, but I think that we, uh, I think that for us as an organization, Mm -hmm. And what we're and us as a committee, what we're trying to do is it is is tackle what hasn't been addressed. And that's inclusiveness. Yes, we, we say it and I'm pretty sure we've said it long before we joined the diversity committee. But what have we actually done to do to to rectify it? Absolutely. Not much. Not much. Absolutely. And when people I feel like agents from different offices come to my office and they ask me questions as if I'm not the organization, you know, mm -hmm. call out there, you know, I'm not the problem solver. I mean, I attempt, but I'm like, call, call out, call out there, call, well then call Jeff city, you know, call. And they just don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable. And when I when I had initially created the homes tour, I seen there were so many things lacking in so many different departments and so many different facets of the real estate industry and people's lives. There's a whole lot of things. And I was like, we need a resource center. So this tour is not only commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Fair Housing Act, which we still don't have fair housing, but it needs to act as as the resource center for the yes. community. Yeah. But now we have an issue within our organization, which is a resource center for our, our members that they're comfortable coming to. Yeah. yeah there's a, sub and, there's, there's part of our, our membership that we're not serving. Yes. No, truthfully. Yeah. yeah. Understood. Understood. I, so, um, I feel I feel like this is something that we should talk about just for a second. Uh, I in the Midwest, and I, I'm sure that this is true in a lot of uh, metros in the country. But you always have a group of people that is completely blind to the fact that uh, there is there's racism in their community um, because it doesn't affect them. Exactly. They're. It maybe maybe they uh, it, it's just not it's just not touching them, um, and mm -hmm. so for for those people who who you know that they're they're saying that in their head, and again if, if it's not affecting them if they don't see it, you know can can you guys uh, can can you guys tell us some some stories about how racism has affected you within this industry um, and. <laughs> Uh, I know that that's a painful question. I know that that's asking, uh, but 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 I, I I think that that would be uh, I think it'd be meaningful for some some people to hear that. You know, I think I think when we were when we were doing the shoot, I was talking to Tanisha about um, when my wife and I were looking for houses, and um, we were looking at this house that was a foreclosure over like um, in in Western Shawnee. And it was a, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the house. It had great, you know, homes. And the agent that we had, um, we hadn't signed a con. I don't think we signed a contract with her yet. But um, 
the whole time that, you know, like, I'm like looking at the house, I'm like, okay, I can fix this, I can fix this, whatever. My father was a master plumbing contractor and I worked with him forever. I'm like, this house, we can get this at for a steal and then we're gonna have a great house that we can sell later. And um, this agent the whole time is like, and basically convinced my wife that this was the worst house in the world, that we wouldn't fit this, you know, that, that would you be comfortable? She kept trying to show us houses in Midtown, you know, or someplace else that we were not, Wyandotte, places we weren't interested in. And, um, you know, convinced, my wife was convinced that, you know, that's, that wasn't a house for us. So um, we walked away from it. Um, turns out, you know, that agent actually lives in that neighborhood. And I kind of got the feel that, you know, um, I can't confirm it, that she just did not want us living in her neighborhood as, a, as an interracial couple. You know, and um, the sad thing is I still see this agent today, and I kind of I wonder, you know, how many other people did she do that kind of thing to? You know, literally. I just want, I like, okay, you know, if she did that to us, you know, how many other people, you know, that she's done that, she's done that to? And I'm sure Tanisha's got a lot, well, I know you've had a lot of things happen, but, you know, but, um, like, um, also for me, as, like, um, out doing door knocking, um, I've had the cops called on me in Leewood, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I guess I, I, I've had some crazy things happen. I mean, literally, I had, you know, Leewood PD at my back, with, you know, with guns drawn, like I'm robbing the place. And, um, you know, it's, I don't blame them because they were just doing their job. But, you know, apparently somebody felt I was I was a threat in the neighborhood. Doing the same thing that we I mean, it's practically part of our business. It's insane. Right. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's, I mean, you know, it's just it's just this is, you know, I don't I don't get it. I, I Well, I do get it. But it's just, you know. It does change the way I, I, I would I would do things more aggressively with um, with the, how I would go out and, and and try to pick up business, you know. So for me, I've I've told you guys this story before, and I think that's the most significant story. So we don't I don't I'm not going to go into many other ones, but the the appraisal issue with me, it's a big issue, and that what that's what stemmed our latte and learn last year. Um, I don't get the appraisals. I don't get the value for my appraisals for my properties when I show up for my appraisals. So I literally have somebody else go in for my appraisals. Um, and that's something that's within our industry. And, and I am not the only person that is affected by the appraisal values, uh, regardless of me showing up with the comps and everything to to suffice the value is just when my face is there, I don't get the value. So um, that's a big issue. It's a big issue that a lot of people don't dispute or don't bring up. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have somebody else go in. It used to be a, a person from a whole nother brokerage go in for all my appraisals you know and you're not the first person i've heard say that and yet i still just my because i've not it's not something i've had to deal with my brain just can't wrap around but i have um i was talking to a friend in chicago the other day and she was telling me that anytime she has a repairman come to the home she has a white man or a white woman come to her house to be the homeowner 
Because okay. a lot of times the repairman won't come into the house. They won't bid mm -hmm. it. And if they do bid it, they bid it three times too high. But if a white person is there, all of a sudden, oh, we'll work with you all. And I just, how the hell in 2020 that this is still, I just, you know, and, and, I, and I tell the story. I grew up in a very racist family. And I, you know, um, my very first boyfriend in seventh grade was a, a, a amazing black man. Well, I guess he was a boy at the time, but that sounds, and I would wear his UNLV starter jacket all over high school. And I remember being my parents finding out and being so upset. And my mom, who was a realtor, she said to me, and this has stuck with me my whole life. And I think it's why that I get so pissed off that this is still happening. She said to me, do you know what it would do to my business if it got out that that's who your boyfriend was? And I was like, and I still don't have the words today. And I, and I remember they called, because we had like six of our seven classes together. They, my parents called all of my teachers and had him not sit next to me in my classes, except there was one teacher, one teacher that called us out in the hallway and said, I'm not going to support this. I'm not going to be a part of that. But five other teachers were. So I don't know what to say. I don't know why I'm telling the story, but it just, I want to do something. I want to help because words are just words but we need actions we need to actually do things because this is not okay it's never been okay and now it's been thrown in our faces and we can't ignore it anymore and what can we do so thank you guys for sharing those stories um and i'm sure you both could talk for hours on other stories that you have mm -hmm. oh yeah, yeah. Well, bobby whether you realize it or not you were directly affected yeah by, I, mean, I mean you know i mean you i mean um, it seems like it was a, a minor thing, but really, truthfully, I mean, that was, that's a pretty significant thing in life to have that happen, especially coming from family. It is. It is significant. I mean, when I tell you guys that I lived in Buckner, Missouri, <laughs> just <to> let <laughs> you guys know, I lived in Buckner, Missouri, and uh, my children went to Fort Osage schools. Now, this is years ago, because my children, of course, are now grown, but just the fact that I get a phone call from the principal for my son. I mean, I'm getting scolded because I'm being told that children are not allowed to walk across the highway to school and a parent picked my son up off the highway. And I'm like, what are you guys, what are you talking about? I walked my son to the bus stop this morning and I went back home. Mm -hmm. Well, needless to say, what had been occurring was, and I asked him why he walked, he had been getting hit by with sticks at the bus stop by the kids calling him little brown spots and the bus driver knew about it the parent doing it knew about it everybody knew about it but me nobody notified me mm. so for my child who is in like the second grade being abused because he's brown and for the school district and the transportation department they're only excuse or rebuttal was that we're not used to diversity mm. me mm. as a parent and advocate for my child do you know how that made me feel because i moved from raytown missouri i had a white neighbor who we called grandma my kids called them grandma on one side i had an asian neighbor on the other side i had a mexican across the street and of course there's me who's black and i had a a um uh oh, I don't need, I don't even know if that's the right word to say. A homosexual that lived next door to the Mexican across the street, and we had picnics 
every week. We all brought out what our culture could best. So diversity, I'm never, I had never experienced it. My children had never experienced it. So I didn't even know how to react besides in a violent manner. And that was not the way to handle it. But that's the only thing that I could think of. And for me not to have been made aware of what was going on and for my son to not tell me what was going on and for him to just take it upon himself to just walk across a busy highway to get to school. Mm. You know, it affects my son still to this day. My youngest son is still affected by the fact that he was never invited to the other kids' birthday parties and they all came to his because we threw elaborate birthday parties. But he was never invited, even though they all they play all sports together, sports all year round. But he was never invited to any of the kids' birthday parties. So, so, so like when I, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. I'm finished. I, I'm I'm finished because I mean that has nothing to do with real estate, but at the same time, it does because every last one of those people mm-hmm. knew that I owned a brokerage and they never used me. I mean, we hung out, we did everything as parents at the at the at the sporting events. But even still to this day, they call me and ask me questions mm-hmm. how to resolve issues, but they've never used me my services, just my knowledge. Oh yeah. Now, Tanisha, for me, um, guys, I was you know, I'm originally I was I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, Great Memorial Hospital, and my dad joined the army when I was about eight. So when I say, like I said, I'm a child of the world, I've kind of grown up a little bit all over the world, mostly in Europe. And so for me, growing up in that environment, in the military environment, military housing areas, I have never experienced anything like, like, you know, as far as racism and the craziness that goes on here, except for when I came back stateside. Like, I, it, it just does not compute to me how you know, people thinking that, you know, this whole separate, I mean, we were probably the most diverse group that you could possibly imagine. Like, for instance, you know, I remember like, you know, and one day I went to a bar mitzvah and then an Italian wedding in the same day, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, it was just that kind of community and it's just, it, it doesn't, it still doesn't quite work for me, I guess, you know, as far as um, the way thing, way, the way, you know, people perceive things here in the state side. You know, one of the things that's been really eye-opening to me for quite some time, but especially the last few months, our social media post Mm -hmm. and the divisiveness that we're seeing through some people through their social media post. Um, And I guess it's been eye-opening to me because it's helped me really understand who some people are, even if they don't realize that's who they are. Um, I was on a call with uh, Vince Malta, the president of the National Association, and Bob Goldberg yesterday. And NAR has some proposals coming out um, in regards to hate speech and um, insensitive posts. Our code of ethics is going to change because of this. And I'm so happy for it. But there, there was a quote that was said on the call, and it said, they also talked about we have to do more, but they said, that is not the language of someone who wears the R. And Oh, yes. I, yes. Yes. And it's like, we as an industry 
have to stand up and say, the people who wear the realtor are, it's not just the code of ethics in dealing with our business transactions. It's who we are as a people every single day, and we have to do more. So well, I, I don't want to take your guys' I got to say, this business is a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, like, oh, I sell houses and I go home. Yeah. I mean, you, I, mean I, I got to, like, you live it. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I got to say, when, on, on the thing about the social media posts and things of that nature, um, I think one of the things that people aren't realizing is that there are several groups running under the, under the Black Lives Matter banner. Now and not all of you know you know and not all of them are truly associated with um, with the organization or the meaning of what it, what 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 it intended what's intended um, and it's, I think that's creating a lot of confusion and so forth and what and and no no not many people are actually going out and doing real research into what's what these groups are. So. And I'm seeing, you know, for a lot of groups, there's behind the scenes groups that are stirring things up on both sides of everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not just one side or the other, but there's other people posting their own things. And I had a conversation with someone recently over a situation that I was dealing with. And we were, you know, the conversation started talking about, you know, our civil liberties, thankfully not about masks, um, but talking about our civil liberties and our First Amendment rights. And somebody said, yes, we have a freedom of speech but we don't have freedom of consequences. And sometimes there's a consequence to the words that we say, especially when our words are meant to hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. So, yeah. Um, I don't want to take, too, we've actually gone longer than we normally go. So yeah. Alex, do you have anything you want to finish this up? <laughs> yeah, I, on your last thing, I just, I feel like people always like to cite the first amendment and it's like, you know, you, you're missing, you're, you need to go back and read it. You know, mm -hmm. you, you're, you nailed it. You don't have freedom of, of consequences at all. I mean, that, that was a perfect way to put it. You guys, we, um, we, I, I just want to thank you both because in a time like this, um, I know that it takes a lot to, uh, to it, it takes a lot to educate uh, the public on this. And I really appreciate you for taking time out of your day uh, to to tell us about some of the experiences that you've had, and I know that those are painful, uh, and it, it sucks to have to relive them for the education of others. So I really I, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to do that and for being with us today, and for everything that you're doing with the diversity committee uh, this year and in years past. And we we really look forward to seeing what you you all put together uh, in the future um, and. Um, we, we hope that we can see some some serious change moving forward um, and thank you so much for your leadership you're welcome Absolutely. yeah we're not done yet no I don't want you to be and I, I know, know I'm never done no. <laughs> I'm never done you're never I done just guys, <laughs> I just need you guys to support to yep. be more supportive yep I'm looking forward to that proposal for the satellite office I'll be waiting for it all right thank you guys all right, All right. Thank, thank you, you both. Bye.